Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. What is up, C12? How are we doing tonight? We doing good? Hey, you know, I was uh, I was originally going to make a joke about St. Patrick's Day because I was like, who remembers St. Patrick's Day? And then I realized uh, I see a lot of green. So um, I, I'm the one that forgot about St. Patrick's Day. Uh, someone told me, like, yeah, we're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was today. Um, any Irish people in the house? Yep. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Pretty loud about that. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I'm excited for tonight outside of St. Patrick's Day. One, it's Thursday, uh, but I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Uh, March Madness is kicking off this month. Uh, who, who, we got one March Madness fan in the back. I love it. Uh, who here has filled out a bracket? Okay. Uh, who, how many of you already busted your brackets? Yep. Yep. Keep your hands raised. Uh, fun fact, if you didn't know, uh, March Madness with, with, with college basketball and the tournament going on right now, a bunch of people are filling out their brackets, and the odds of you filling out a complete bracket, like with 100%, is one in 9.2 quintillion. So we just thought we'd throw it up on the screen. Like, that's, if you don't know what 9.2 quintillion is, like, that's how many numbers are. It's on my bucket list. It's one of the things I want to accomplish in life. And I will get it by the favor of God, uh, by uh, being rooted in prayer. Uh, Anyways, we're jumping uh, into tonight. Uh, Another reason why we're so excited is that for some of you, it's spring break in this room. Uh, For some of you, spring break is right around the corner. Uh, If you go to, how many people go to GGC in here? Yep. All right, spring break is right around the corner. Hang in there. Uh, We got warm weather, finally. Where are my summer people at in this room? Come on. It's about time. Let's just rebuke this like weird, like it's 80 degrees and then the next day it's like 30 and then you're like, man, I don't, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this weather right now? I, I, I literally can't stand it. But it's one of the things that we love. I thought we'd just play along with it. Okay, there's lots of things to love in this season. March madness, warm weather, uh, could be spring break right around the corner. What's another thing that you love? Just go ahead and shout it out. Could be things, could be like Chick-fil-A, could be something happened today, crumble cookie, okay. I'm gonna write uh, handwriting because it's a little neater this time. <laughs> the beach. I swear I heard paintball, so I'm gonna write it up there. Coffee. Okay. Baseball. <laughs> okay. What? What else? What else? What are the things that you love right now in this season? You say gardening? Okay, all right. I thought you said my last name, and I was like, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I was like, I can write it up there if you like. <laughs> Flattered. Yeah, all the way in the back. I feel like I'm in a classroom. Yep, uh, I'm the teacher. <laughs> the what? Went riding with the windows down, okay. Shameless plug, I have a playlist on Spotify that is called Windows Down Vibes. That was super embarrassing. I shouldn't have said that out loud. Okay. Um, how many of you, okay, moving, make it more personal. Like there's things that you love in this season, but what about like, what about the people that, that mean the most to you? Who are the people that you love the most? You. Family. Wow, you. <laughs> Justin, that's a lie. I know that. I know that. <laughs> Family, what else? What else do you guys love? <laughs> people that you love. I heard Spouse. Dog, is that a person? Okay, let's, uh, 
We're going to teach something different tonight. All right. This is a person. This is an animal. Now, it could be like your friends, right? The boys. The boys. All the guys in this room, yeah, the boys. See, when you kind of make it more personal, it's just like, yeah, these are things that kind of bring me joy. They're things that make me happy. These are the things that I kind of love in this season. Then you, when you kind of make it more personal, it's like, well, my, my family, my spouse, my friends, the, the boys. Like there's things that like, I mean, there's people that are, that are kind of more close to you. And, and, and these are the people that you love the most. And, and sometimes like this list can come and go, doesn't it? Like this list can come and go. Maybe it's, it's a boyfriend or girlfriend on this list. And maybe when that doesn't go well, that gets kind of taken off the list. Maybe when you start to have tension with your family, maybe family is not the thing that you put up there anymore. Maybe when you're having a hard time with your spouse, maybe that's not the thing that you want to put up anymore. Maybe when you're having a hard time with friends, maybe they're not the people that you want to love anymore. See, the list can come and go. And I think in our culture, what we kind of uh, choose to do, I don't know if we say out loud inherently, but I think there's some things that we go along the way with, well, just love those who love you. Like, just, just love those who love you. So let's just kind of keep it in a box. Like, just love those who love you. Your friends, they love you. Family, they can love you. Maybe your boyfriend, your girlfriend. So I'm just gonna kind of keep people in the box that I want to choose to love. Why? Because I get something in return. Just love those who love you because it's kind of an easy thing, isn't it? Like there's no tension inside of that. Like we're not gonna put someone that we absolutely hate, like man, they're in my inner circle, I love them. <laughs> like that coworker that just, you just can't stand, like I don't think they're in your tight knit inner circle. That one person you're in class with and you're like, dude, you are going to frustrate me. Like they're not gonna be in your inner circle. See, the people that you have in this little box, it doesn't cause any heartache, it doesn't cause any problems. There's not a whole lot of frequent drama in the mix. And there might be a lot of things that Jesus never said, but the, the thing that we're gonna go over tonight is over the topic of something that Jesus never talked about, which is love those who love you. Love those who love you. Let's just jump right in, right into Matthew. This is in Matthew 5. He, Jesus just goes right after it. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What Jesus is saying if, is, if you just love those who love you, well, congrats. <laughs> like the rest of the world is doing that. If you just love those who love you, it's really, love doesn't really have a virtue at all. If you just love those who love you, they just give you the same in, in return and that is just what culture does as well. And Jesus calls us to a kingdom culture, not to a world culture. Jesus calls us to a kingdom culture, not to a world culture. And we've seen it over the past couple years. Division and disunity, arguments, bitterness, slander, self-righteousness, hatred, things that we maybe impose on each other. And I think that when we get maybe caught up in our culture that seems to always have a bend to point out the negative or to point out the, the uh, I just, I, I don't want to love those that are maybe outside my, my circle or outside my box. There's a couple dangers I think that we can fall into that. Number one, I think the first danger is that we develop factions in our faith. 
We, we, can, we can start to develop factions in our faith. It can be easy to have our own little, uh, quote unquote, build a bear Christian circle. Like, I'm just gonna build it how I want. I'm just gonna make it how I want to be. I'm only gonna be around the people that I gravitate towards and the people that are just like us. So to say, I love, love those who love you, it's just like, well, those who vote like you, those who talk like you, dress like you, maybe have the same views as you, has the same personality, has the same interests as you. And before we know it, all we did was just develop a faction of people that look a lot like us, and we don't affiliate with the people that don't. And we especially don't affiliate with the people that we don't like. See, I got a chance to learn this pretty early on in the context that I was a rather uncomfortable journey. A lot of you guys know I went to a, a small school uh, in Canada. Uh, and, and just shout out, how many people would you guess? This is a small school. Guess how many people went to my school? <laughs> You're not far off. <laughs> just shoot it out, shoot it out. Well, how many people do you think went to my school? 13, all right, we're really shooting low, all right. <laughs> That's a family, okay. <laughs> my lowest semester, students on campus was 103. Some of you are like, bro, my class at GDC is way bigger than your whole entire school. <laughs> like when I went to UGA, like my dorm hall was bigger than your entire school. It was 103 students. So if you didn't like someone, like too bad. <laughs> You ate with them. You were in the same dorm as them. I went to all the same classes as them. Like I learned how to like really love someone that I really didn't like. Okay, let's, that, that's just kind of a concept thing. Let, let me take it a little layer deeper. Let me pull it a little bit more personally because we all have a first breakup story, don't we? Whether it's in high school, maybe it's a middle school fling and you're like, oh my gosh. This happened when I was 19 years old, eight years ago, seven years ago, because I can't do math. Canada set me behind. <laughs> when I was 19, there was this girl, okay, yep, we're talking, we're, I'm, I'm fresh at this school, you know, we're going on these dates, it's going well, and all of a sudden there's this guy that's behind the scenes that wanted to just slip in, and so they started going on dates behind the scenes without me knowing. Some of you people in the room right now, you're like boiling. You're like, if someone does that to my bro, like I'm about to egg someone's house, like we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna beat someone's car, like I don't know what's about to happen. Some of you girls in here are like, mm, we're taking knives, we're slashing tires tonight. <laughs> His truck ain't driving away anywhere. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it's such an easy thing to just like boil up hatred so fast. I went from like an all out love to like an all out hate. I'm like, we do know that it's 103 students on campus. You're two doors down for where I'm at. <laughs> we're not a big school. And it was a humbling moment because I had to walk in through, how do I deal with hatredness when it's so close? How do I choose not to just love those who love me? How do I choose to love people that are maybe outside of my quote unquote box, outside of my inner circle? See, I had to choose to love someone who I wouldn't deemed as love. And here's the thing, there's only one faction in the kingdom and it's broken. There's only one faction and we're all a part of it because we're all broken. Everybody's broken. Everybody's sinned. Everybody has flaws. Everybody needs Jesus. I think the second danger is this. We can develop cliques over communities. When we take maybe our little factions a little deeper, we, we can start to just develop cliques in our walk with Christ. If we just love those who love you, then we're only gonna be around our people or my, my crew. And, and hear what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying that you can't have close friends. I'm not saying that, oh, if I have a group chat with some of my best friends and that's considered a click. What I'm talking about is when you only hang out with people in your little circle and we, we just have a way of, of just kind of drawing lines around. These are, my, these are my people. These are the people that I affiliate with. These are the people that I choose to love. These are the people that I choose to talk to. See, where we sometimes can maybe just live inside the lines, I think Jesus crossed lines to go love other people. He loved people that were deemed as outcasts. See, cliques are exclusive. Cliques only welcome some basically under the mantra that others can't join. They leave other people out on purpose. They don't socialize with, with people that are not in their inherent group. But biblical communities, which is a kingdom culture, which I believe Jesus calls us to, are inclusive. We welcome everyone. Everybody can join. We include other people on purpose, and we know community takes time. If it's your first night with us, like it's your first night at C12, we just want to say a big welcome home. Come on, we can get up for anybody that's new here. If you talk to anybody that's a volunteer, and they'll tell you their whole story of how they got plugged into C12 and what that meant for them and how they were along the journey. But we know that community takes time, which is why we do things like C12 Connect after service. It's one of my most favorite things that we do because we just get connected because this is how we grow. This is how we get to be a part of a ministry. It's just one person at a time. And I wanna shout out people who I think do this really, really well. Kelsey, if you guys know Kelsey, give it for Kelsey. I wanna point out Kelsey and Steven. I think they're perhaps some of the best people that ever, that ever do this. Come on, give it for Steven. You know, there's people when they, they just have so much on their calendar that like they're always focused on the next task. I think what Kelsey and Steven do such a good job at is that they don't focus on the next task, they focus on the person in front of them. It's what Jesus did. It was, it was to be present. I think somebody else who does this really, really well is Gracie. <laughs> Can we give it up for Gracie? Come on. <laughs> Gracie didn't know this was going to happen. <laughs> I've seen Gracie interact with people on Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. Uh, and the way that you have loved people, doesn't matter what their name is. You've jumped on Marta things and you've just talked to random people. <laughs> and you're laughing because you know. <laughs> because you just have such a heart to make people feel seen and known. This is what it means to be a biblical community. It means to be inclusive. It doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter what your name is, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done. When you come into the kingdom, you get to be a part of us. It's a biblical community. I've had conversations with people that are like, man, I just can't stand that person. I'm like, well, bro, you're gonna hate heaven a ton because they're gonna be with you forever. So we might as well as learn what it means to be a biblical community now because biblical communities are inclusive. I think the last danger, which I think is kind of more of a mode of thinking than maybe it is in action, I think we develop me over we mentalities. Maybe another way to say this is that we kind of get more inward than outward. We tend to be more consumed by, our, by ourselves than it is about other people. It's more consumed about, well, I'm gonna to come to church because I want it, what's in it for me. I'm gonna join this thing because I need what's best for me. And when we start to look more inward, we start to get more consumed about us. And you might wonder, what's in it for me? How does this affect my world? What do I gain from it? How do I benefit? 
I think a kingdom culture mindset, when it means to not just love those who love you, but to love everyone, to be inclusive, it, it chooses to have a we first mentality over a me first mentality. A we first mentality, people, those types of people pour themselves out so other people can flourish. A we first mentality pours themselves out so other people can flourish. After this whole passage in Philippians, I want you to see the heart of Paul and Timothy. It says this, and Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out upon completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Again, Paul and Timothy, thinking on behalf of other people, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. Paul is suffering on behalf of other people. Like I'm, I'm trying to advance the gospel so that way it could be for other people's sake so that all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to glory and praise of God. Say, I put that whole passage in there because you get to see the heart of Paul and Timothy, that they were always about other people. Like I'm in chains, I'm suffering, but it's on behalf of somebody else. It, the gospel matters more. It, it's, it's a we mentality over a me mentality. See, me mentality, people are ego-driven. They expect others to pour themselves out so that way they can flourish. What benefit is in it for me? It's consuming over contributing. It's me over we. It's, it's, it's selfish over selfless. And when you become a follower of Jesus, it's, it's not about you. <laughs> when you become a follower of Jesus, it's not about you. And you see this in the life of Jesus and how he models this. You get to see him as like, man, he's the real, true spiritual leader. If you want to look at spiritual leadership, look at the way and look at the life of Jesus. And our model for that is God on the cross. And if he hung there, then we should hang there with him. Look at what it says in Philippians 2. It goes on to say this, more about the character and the nature of Jesus. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Basically what they're saying, hey, have a we mentality. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." He made himself a servant. Jesus decided not to have a me mentality, but to encourage others to have a we mentality, to be others focused. And there's times in life where we can put people that we love in a box. We'll just love those who love you. And sometimes we love to put love in a box. And I think Jesus loved to put love on the cross. 
Instead of a box, it's now the cross. And so now it's not just about who's inside the box, which was maybe meant for some people, but love is now about the cross, which was meant for everybody. It wasn't meant just for one person. It wasn't meant for the people that just love you in return. This, is, this can be a hard concept. It can be a hard concept to look at, well, who are the outcasts in our world? And I thought I'd maybe go over a little bit of a, a case study, if you will, for the, the radical love of Jesus. And there's lots of uh, maybe different groups of outcasts that, that Jesus got to interact with. I'm only gonna focus on two. It's the unclean and the sinner. It's the unclean and the sinner. I wanna unpack this story of Jesus. It says this in Mark chapter one. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. But Jesus was indignant. If you're following along in scripture, if you, if you got your phone out or whatever, you can highlight that, underline that. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And I think Jesus' response is interesting, that he was indignant. It's only one of two times in the gospels where you get to see the nature of Jesus and his character actually responding with me, hey, I'm being indignant. And I thought it was quite interesting because when you look at the definition, let's throw it up there, of indignant, it means a feeling or characterized by or expressing strong displeasure at something considered unjust, offensive, insulting, or base. That's a little odd. Like this man is coming to Jesus. He's unclean. I thought it was a little interesting that, well, Jesus being the all loving, all accepting, that he would be bothered by this. Like it's a strong displeasure. Like this man who's unclean is gonna come to you. Or maybe Jesus is off like doing busy Messiah stuff. <laughs> he's off saving the world somewhere else. And maybe he's not focused on just, on just the one but I think it makes more sense when you know the, the, the context of what's going on and the context of this passage. See, leprosy in that day and age was a deadly disease. This is, what leprosy, this is what leprosy was. Leprosy begins as small red spots on the skin. Before too long, the spots get bigger and start to turn white with a shiny or scaly appearance. The spots soon, uh, start, or the spots soon spread over the body and hair begins to fall out, first from the head and then from the eyebrows. Like your hair, your whole body is like deteriorating. And they start to rot and eventually fall off. Then the, this is where it just gets really gross. The joints of the fingers and toes begin to rot and fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink. They can't hold their teeth anymore, so each tooth comes out one by one by one. Leprosy was this nasty, painful disease that eroded that person over time. How many of you in this room are like, you're a giant germaphobe. You're like, bro, I, I, I hate like being in hospitals. I hate being around other people that are sick. That are sick. Like you're the person that's like in, in the grocery store and someone sneezes like five hours down. You're like, I'm out, going somewhere else. Like I'm, I'm legit, I'm out, I'm going somewhere else. And some of you are maybe like, man, when you start to get sick, you look up like the WebMD version. You know, it's like, I have knee pain. And you're like, great, I have a disease from Africa. Like, I'm done. <laughs> My life's over. I'm, <laughs> everything's ruined for me. <laughs> this, is, this is not what leprosy is. Leprosy was basically a disease until he or she would pass away. And as horrible as like the physical suffering was, it was more about the cultural shame that was on that person. It wasn't just about the disease, but when somebody had leprosy, and even going all the way back to the Old Testament, 
And the people of Israel, anyone who had leprosy, they'd have to be quarantined and examined. Anybody know what quarantine's like? I'm sure we all do. Uh, all the way to, through Leviticus 13 and 14, they had to dress like as if they were mourning for someone who died. So now they, 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 they basically called them like the walking dead because of how gross that they were. And it was the result like they would have this disease because of the punishment of sin and their consequences. And so when somebody would have leprosy, they would literally cry out to you and say, unclean, unclean. Imagine you right now having a cold and you're in like Walmart and unclean, unclean. Mm -mm, I'll buy my stuff online, that's okay. <laughs> See, it wasn't just the fact that they were sick. It was like people like legit pointed fingers at them and made them feel shameful. Like they're the outcasts of society. And in this day and age, where now Jesus is in the picture, they took it even farther. So the people of Jesus' day went further than the Old Testament told them to because they were kind of told two things. What, if you're a leper, then you're basically the walking dead and this is the punishment that God has on you. Therefore, it's your fault. So everything's your fault. It's your problem. And outside of physical pain, this just put all the shame and guilt. They were known as outcasts. Everybody could see their disease and it makes them feel worse because everybody values them as nothing. So going back to that verse, can we throw that verse back up on the screen? And Mark, where it goes that Jesus was indignant. Well, that's a little odd. Why is he bothered by this? Why is he troubled by someone who's coming to Jesus when he's already deemed as an outcast? Jesus wasn't indignant about the man, Jesus was indignant about his disciples because they prohibited access to Jesus. I think a lot of times in our culture, we've become indifferent where Jesus is indignant. I think in our culture, we've become indifferent over outcasts that Jesus is actually indignant about. Culture says, well, get away, you're unclean. It's your fault. Nobody wants you. You're not welcome. You deserve this. Basically, what they're saying is like, if you're outside this box, then like you don't belong here. If you're an outcast, if you don't think, us, think like us, look like us, then you don't belong here. There are places in our culture that, that we do that too. So let me just make it more personal. Because sometimes it's easy to like put yourself as like the hero in the story. Like when you read scripture and you're like, oh, disciples, you dummies. <laughs> you're like, obviously I'm Jesus, I'm the hero. But when you personalize it and you look at, well, who are the people that are outside my box? Is my family outside this box? <laughs> Is my ex outside this box? Are my coworkers outside this box? Are the people that I'm on a team with, are they outside this box? Are there professors or classmates that I actually at school with, are they outside that box? Are the people that you see on campus outside that box? Are the people that you come across to randomly at the grocery store, randomly out in public, maybe the people that you saw from high school, now it's awkward when you run into the mall? That was a personal one. Because <laughs> here, here, here's the bottom line truth, which I think when I read this and I personalized it and I sat in it, I think this part actually truly scared me the most. The disciples were the ones that were closest to Jesus, yes? <laughs> they were with Jesus for three years. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They actually went off and were commissioned by Jesus to go do and, and actually perform miracles, to go and heal people, to go and pray over the sick. 
They did life with him. They, they got to go see the signs and the wonders. They were the ones that were closest to Jesus, yet they were the, also the same ones that prohibited access to Jesus. What a scary thing that it would be for you to be so close to Jesus as you want to be, but still make decisions that others are not allowed to have access to him. Maybe you're the only example of Jesus that somebody could see. It's a scary thought, scary thought to sit in. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters really how you live your life. What Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit, <laughs> by how you live your life. And I think the question that I think is worth is writing down is, am I a gate or a wall when it comes to people experiencing Jesus? Am I a gate or am I a wall when it comes to people experiencing Jesus? Again, I can be as close to Jesus as I want to be, yet I can be in the same danger of prohibiting others to experience him. Where is Jesus calling you to be indignant where our culture has become indifferent? Where are the things that God is asking you be, for you to be indignant about? The people that maybe you're gonna go choose to love on your school campus that other people actually overlook the people in your family that maybe God is actually wanting you to love and to go reach and that maybe other people around you might overlook. Where is he calling you to be indignant? I think the second story is this. One of the outcasts was the unclean. I think one of the other outcasts was the sinner. You see this in Luke 5. It says this in verse 27. It says, after this, this is after Jesus went and like literally healed a paralyzed man, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. He said, follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, there was this another type of outcast in that society, and that was the sinners. It was the ones who maybe weren't part of the, the Pharisees in group. <laughs> I'm not a part of the Pharisees little clique. I maybe am not that super religious. There may be the people that would say today, well, if I walk into a church, I might burst into flames. <laughs> I don't know if the church will accept me. I don't know if they'll love who I am. I don't know if they'll, if they'll take my past. And what our big mantra at C12 was just saying, welcome home. You don't need to believe to belong, to be here. It, does, it doesn't matter where you've been and what, you, what you've done, who you are. But when you come to C12, like you matter to us and you matter to God. We're an inclusive community. And the tax collectors felt like they were always the outcasts of society. They always felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I don't matter. And the Jewish people actually consider them traitors because they worked for the Roman government and they were forcing people to pay taxes. It's like that day's, that day's IRS just showing up at your house. The Jewish people rightly consider them extortioners because they could keep whatever they over-collective. So the tax collectors are basically trying to cheat their way through to try and then get more money. And the highest bidder on whatever they accumulated would get the money. So it was a big deal for the tax collectors. They were just trying to basically get a profit off people. They were just sharks of like, I just want to be able to have more money. And the culture hated tax collectors. 
Everyone despised them. And it wasn't just one tax collector. It was a large crowd of them. Imagine Jesus sitting around the table, being around a bunch of people that you don't like. Like, it wasn't just one tax collector. It was like a crowd of them. Like going into a room and like Jesus, you see Jesus not just with the one person that you don't like, but it's like everybody that you don't like. And I think a way to make it personal, and I think if I can be honest, it's easy to put people outside the box. It can be easy to disregard the people that I don't like. It can be easy to push people out of the, the quote unquote box because, well, you don't look like me. You don't think like I think. And hang with me. I think the people that we hate the most are the people that Jesus got to love the easiest. The people that we hate the most, I think, are the people that Jesus actually found the easiest to love. And he's at that table, and when the Pharisees come up to him, you see Jesus' response. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. How many just hate going to the doctor? Like you, oh, like you, you know, how many, how many of you actually love going to the doctor? You're like, this is my, <laughs> to the one hand that bolts up. <laughs> see, some of us don't like going to the doctor. We like push off appointments. It's the same thing with the dentist. You don't love to go to the dentist. It's like, man, I don't want you putting machines in my mouth and telling me how horrible my teeth are and well, you should floss more. I'm like, great, you shouldn't like try to find, you know, dinosaur bones in my, in my gums. I'm just <laughs> trying to brush my teeth like a normal person. See, some of us don't like going to the doctor. And I think some of us don't like going to the doctor because we don't want to know and find out that we're actually sick. Some of us, when we're sick, we're like, yeah, well, I'm just gonna push through. I don't actually, I don't need a doctor. I'll just do it on my own. I'll, I'll find a way to get healthier. I think what Jesus is saying, even to the Pharisees, they have like this independence to them. Well, I'm just kind of independent and I, I don't need a doctor. I can figure it out on my own. And I think it's a whole lot easier to love those who don't just love you when you get reminded that you need a doctor too. That you need a doctor too. Some of the people that I hold the most value and respect for are actually the people that are addicts. Why? Because they don't hide anything. They just fully embrace, this is my brokenness, this is my weakness, and oh God, I need you. The temptation, I think the longer that we follow Jesus is that we can get to a spot where we just say, I don't need a doctor. I'm gonna do it on my own. See, we develop boxes because we forget that we're a sinner at the table too. I get it. There's people that have cheated you, lied to you, led you on, gave what you didn't deserve, betrayed you. It's not fair. There's people who have put you down. There's people who have treated you horribly. There's people who have despised you. There are people who have hated you. There's people who have done wrong to you. But I think if anybody understands, it's Jesus. <laughs> because the person who also betrayed him was at the table with him too. Judas ate too. Judas was at the table too. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. And I don't know where you're, you're at in this. I don't know where, what maybe you struggle with. And maybe there's people that you just have a hard time choosing to love in your life. Maybe there's people that 
You're like, I just can't stand that person. I can't stand this person in my extended family. I can't stand this person that I go to school with. I cannot stand this person that's on my team. I cannot stand this one person that, that, that maybe I'm even close to in proximity with all the time. And it can be easy to develop boxes around the people that we like because sometimes we forget, you know what, I'm a sinner too. It's a whole lot easier to love someone who doesn't just love you because you're reminded that, yep, I'm just as broken as you are. There's only one faction in this room and it's called broken. We all desperately need Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at today. Maybe it's hard to fathom that. Man, I don't know how to love that person. I don't know how to, to love someone so far from God because when we talk about outcasts, you can make it as complex and as future oriented and as the, the, the bigger picture than you might think it to be. But I think when you think about outcasts, they were the ones that were closest in their context. And we all have our own outcasts, the people that we overlook. And when you reevaluate your own story, I'm just so thankful that God doesn't pick people the way that people pick people. God chose me, God redeemed me, God chose you, God redeemed you. God can do inevitably more in and through your life when you get to be reminded that, yep, I'm at a seat at the table too. So I'm just gonna ask you to stand in this room. I just wanna pray over you. Pray over where you're at, pray over what you're in. Maybe there's someone, like I said, in your family that you just can't stand. There's someone that you don't want to love. There's people who have wronged you. There's people who have betrayed you. And we're gonna jump into a song that maybe just reminds you of the grace that God gave you, reminds you of the love that he gave you, reminds of the fact that he also died on the cross, that this wasn't meant just for you. This was meant for everybody. So God, we just come before you, God. We just acknowledge our own brokenness. God, we acknowledge the fact that we don't have it all together. We acknowledge the fact that we can't just do life on our own. We acknowledge the fact that, God, we also need a doctor too. God, we're also broken. We're also messed up. God, we also so desperately need you. And so, Father, I pray even in this moment, God, would, we, would anything out of tonight, God, would we grasp a hold of the fact that we need you on such a deeper level? God, we need your grace. We need your transformation. We need your love. It reminds us of the fact that we need to be dependent upon you, that we are also a sinner too, just like everybody else. Everybody's fallen short. And so God, may that truth just ignite us, Father, to be reminded that we're not better than anybody. We don't just get to love those that love us, but God, you've called us to love the outcasts. You've called us to love people that are so far from God, that are so far from you, God, that are, that are so far from maybe even our own reach that you would wanna lead us towards. So God, we pray this in your name. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.